The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Visual Workplace this week. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host. I've been doing visuality for about 30 years, started in 1983-84, learned a lot of stuff, and began to uh, put it into practice. And then I learned a lot more stuff, because when you start putting something in practice, it becomes your own learning and you begin to either see that the principles work, the principles don't work, that there are no principles, that you're doing it right, you're doing it wrong, you could do it better, hands-on. It's what a lot of people call Gemba. Gemba means hands-on, real, real-time, real-place, real impact, whether it's good or bad, you're doing it. So welcome to the Visual Workplace this week. We are continuing our series on visual leadership, and visual leadership is part of the whole visual paradigm, only we are now looking at how do we lead by embedding the specifications, the procedures, the SOPs, the quality specs of good leadership. What is needed to be a good leader? On the executive level, which we haven't quite begun yet, we'll probably begin in a few weeks and then on the supervisory manager level. We separate executives from supervisors and managers because executives really do have a different configuration of the horizon. Managers and supervisors are working on daily and weekly outcomes that roll up to the bigger pictures, bigger picture. It is, of course, very positive if the executives in your organization link up with supervisors and managers and understand, if you will, the Hoshin. They understand the connectivity between the different layers of management, the different layers of leadership. So right now in our series on the principles and practices of visual leadership, we are focusing on supervisors slash managers, and I refer to them as supervisors. Today is our our mailbag show where we are going over the emails that you've sent in since our last show, which was about five weeks ago, to answer those questions relevant to what we've been talking about since. And that has been about KPIs, measurement systems, visual metrics, or another name that I use for that is stacked metrics. Also, I call them segmented metrics. It's metrics that do a workload beyond simply keeping track of something, simply monitoring, simply counting, simply comparing. 
yesterday with today, today with what should happen tomorrow, the target. Visual metrics are very robust, and they are meant to speak. Like all components of the visual workplace, they are meant to speak, to join us in the language of intelligent operations by embedding the specifications of that operation into the living landscape of work through visual devices. So I want to disabuse you of the idea that visuality is just for operations. Visuality is a language that the entire workforce, and I mean from executive to value-add associate, the entire workforce, field representative, salespeople, purchasing accounting, that everyone speaks. And it is a language, because it is not a language that most plants have from the get-go, it needs to be designed in. And it is designed in through the eye. The book that I'm writing now on visual leadership, the main title is The Eye of the Leader. And even though I could say that eye is the physical seeing eye, the eye that I refer to is the eye as in the individual, the eye as in the self, the eye as in the internal resource of who we are. That perspective, the eye of the leader. How do we incorporate the eye of the leader, not conceptually, but specifically as a personality, into the leadership role? I am not interested in vanilla. I am not interested in everybody thinking a lot alike or conforming to some kind of ideal state. I'm more in favor of constructing that ideal state out of the peculiarities, the particularities of who we are as individuals so that our vanilla has a flavor. It may look, we may call it ice cream and think, well, you know, it's just ice cream. But when we look more closely, it has some cherries in it, some nuts. It's got some Heath bar in it. It's got a crunch and it's smooth and there are surprises. That's called us. That's the I. Lots of surprises. Lots of, if you will, granularity, peculiarity, eccentricities. (laughs) That's what I like. I like to see that expressed just the way you do when you read a great book or you see a great TV show or movie. It's got a little edge of weirdness. Little edge of weirdness. I saw American Hustle. That was one kind of perfection. And then last week, I went to see the Grand Budapest Hotel, and that was a, another kind of perfection. They're very different. They're very different, but each of them supported a level of excellence that I think was pretty flawless. Just perfection of that form, perfection of that particular expression. Remember, that poem that I've quoted to you. Let me reach for it now, see if I can get my book in hand. Oh, I'm reaching, reaching, reaching. Oh, heck, it isn't here. Maybe it's in this book. This wonderful poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Let's hope that it's, I've reached for the right book. Ta-da, ta-da. I think I have. I have a few more pages to turn. No, I have the Neruda book. I'll get it during the break. I want to read that poem to you. But, you know, here is this very, very scholarly Jesuit priest, highly educated Jesuit priest, and when he puts it all down to what are we doing here and what are we doing together, 
he has this line that says, in beautiful English, what I do is me for that I came. What I do is me for that I came. And for me, what the visual workplace is, is an opportunity for people to express themselves through the language of visuality. Yes, they will serve their company. Yes, they will change the bottom line. They will contribute. They will make those things better that need to be better. They will smooth out what's rough. They will make their contribution, and as they do, they will express themselves through the language of visuality. And I like it when people understand the principles of visuality so they understand they have a wide spectrum of possibility for expressing themselves and getting exactly that visual device that will help them with whatever their mistake is, whatever their error is, whatever their information deficit is. It's personal. And, you know, that's the fun of it. If it's not personal, it's vanilla. We want Cherry Garcia. We want Cherry Gar- We want a complex, interesting contribution. Okay? And we want that on the leadership level. And when I get to the executives, which I'm, I'm afraid is going to be quite a while because I'm traveling a lot in May, June, and July. I'm supposed to make those announcements, darn it. I will right now. But we're going to do this together and... I, I hope that you are getting it. If you want stuff on 5S and you want things on visual controls and um, infrastructure, go to our podcasts on visualworkplace.com. We have 134 of them. They're all in categories. You can listen to them directly on the computer or you can download the podcast and listen to them when you're in a traffic jam or, you know, for your Sunday afternoon listening pleasure, as you wish. So let's see, the announcements that I have, which I think you know about, is that we are doing a visual thinking seminar. I'm doing this in Oklahoma on May the 14th and 15th. You can uh, register through ame.org, or you can call us and we will uh, help you make the patch in. Our number here at um, Visual Thinking Inc. in Portland, Oregon is 503-233-1784, 503-233-1784, or email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. On June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, I'll be in Portland, my home city, and we are doing a wonderful event with Benchmade Knife. We're going to be at that at Benchmade for those three days. I'll be do, doing visual thinking, which is our overview flagship. What is visuality about? What are the principles? What does it look like, function like? And broadly speaking, how do I get there? That's on day one. On day two, I'm doing visual leadership, a condensation of all of the conversations that we're having. But, of course, you, you get to see what I'm talking about, not just here. That there's some benefit in that. We will ha- be happy to register you. We've got a flyer that goes out on that. And if you're on our email list, you've already received that. On June 11th and 12th, I'll be in Cambridge, England, uh, doing visual thinking and the visual sight assessment with... Um, Hotel Chocolate, Chocolate Factory, just outside of Cambridge. By the way, the third day in Portland is a visual sight assessment, as is the second day in Oklahoma City. The seats on that are uh, limited because that's very hands-on. We're going out on the floor. We're going to see what we can see. We're going to match it against a protocol, an instrument, and then We're going to fashion the next steps for that company based on its business case, not just on what we want them to do, but what they need to do in order for visuality to contribute to their bottom line in a mighty way. 
Okay, so going back to England, on the following week, June 17th and 18th, I'll be in Nottingham with the Royal Mail. Uh, AME is our sponsor for both of those events. They don't have their UK website set up yet, so if you got trouble, again, just email us at radio at visualworkplace.com and we'll get you through. And then um, in June, at the end of June, I go to China for a couple of weeks, and we'll have details on that very, very soon. I have a really wonderful um, colleague, Stephen Lee, and his colleague, David Chow, uh, are helping out on that. So um, I will also, I'm supposed to tell you, the Smart Simple Design book is uh, coming out in May. It's wonderful. And let's get started on our stack metrics. So the distinction, and today's a mailbag show, and I've picked out about six or seven emails for us to go through. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll read you that poem if I have the presence of mind. Five or six emails that we're going to go through that have to do with questions around what's the difference between a KPI and a stack metric? How do I use it? What happens if people don't want to measure anything? What happens if I'm in an office? And what, how about if I do five or six of these at a time? That was a question from our friend. Just looking at the list. From our friend. Where is it? Was that David? Yes, here it is. John Dawson wrote in and said, I want to do five of these. And his question brings up some issues that I want to bring your attention to. And we'll do that right after our first break, which is going to happen right now. See you in a minute. Thanks. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio 
at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn at the Visual Workplace. We're in the second half of our show today. It's a mailbag show, and we are about to begin to look at your emails, your cards and letters. <laughs> Thank you for sending them in. Thank you so much for emailing. Thank you so much for listening and letting me know that you listen. It helps me a lot, and your questions have been great. And remember, every every email that we use online, these folks are going to be, I mean, on air, will uh, have a choice of one of my books. We're happy to send it to you. And... Um, even if we plan to use your email, we might have been in touch with you by phone and we don't get a chance because I talk too much, uh, we will still send you that book. And if you want to call in, we are happy to take your call today and every day that I'm live on the radio. The number is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, or you can email us right now at radio at visualworkplace.com. Just call in, just email in, and we will do our best to integrate your um, contribution. If not, we'll put it off until the next time. But uh, you come first because you're live. (laughs) I come third. Okay, let's begin. The first is from an email from Casey Aw. Isn't that a great name? Casey Aw, and it is spelled A-W-E. I'm sure they call her awesome. Actually, her name is Cassandra, Cassandra Awe, and uh, I had an opportunity to speak with Miss Awe because I needed a little clarification on her um, email. Anyway, this is what she says in, in broad strokes. She says, I never heard of visual metrics before your last few shows, and I don't see why they're better than KPIs. We use KPIs to drive our continuous improvement, and we've made great progress. Uh, but I like the other thing you talk about. Uh, so I, um, I thought maybe, I like the other things you talk about, so I thought maybe I was missing something. I'm the head of a quality lab in a hospital in the Seattle area. Wow, Miss Aw, you live in a beautiful part of the world, my part of the world, up in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. So, yeah, so what Miss Aw is saying is that KPIs can be used in continuous improvement, and they have been used. And if you are using them effectively and you're getting mileage out of them and you're solving problems and people are interested in them, Casey, if the folks that are in your lab are actually interested in the KPIs, then perhaps there's no reason to change. You still might want to make an experiment just to see if it gets you a little bit further. I personally think that it will. But let's just talk about KPIs are there. They're monitoring performance. They're telling you about quality. They're telling you about your test results, your lab. So you're going to be doing a lot of testing. This is a quality lab for a hospital. So you're looking for error, mistakes. You're looking for anything that's out of spec because they have tremendous consequences. So it may be that your KPIs are interesting because the information is so vital to the lives of the people who come to the hospital. But you ask yourself, okay, these KPIs in and of themselves, what are they doing? They are showing me what has happened. They are showing me the past. Maybe not the distant past, but maybe a week ago or maybe yesterday. Am I able to mine, as in digging out gold, am I able to mine what's in the KPIs 
by the way that they are presented to me? Can I see through them? Do they, and this is a term that I use, do they illuminate cause? Or do I have to dig into them before they begin to show me cause? So the big difference between a KPI and a visual metric or a stack metric, so they're the same thing, is this. The KPI has to be unnested. You have to do more exploration. You have a dot that shows you seven of something bad has happened, 15 of something bad has happened, three of something bad has happened. But what I want to know is what's in that dot? What's in that dot? Can we illuminate that dot and see the contributing causes to those seven, to those 15, to those three? And that's what a stack metric does. It says, before we begin to contemplate the metrics, and they are of this very day, of this very shift, and maybe of this very hour, let's segment them into possible causes because we've been down this road before and we know part of the quality defect contribution is going to be something is bent. An order was um, not clearly written. We use the wrong ingredient. We use the wrong amount. If we're in assembly and not in a hospital, we put something on backwards or upside down or we forgot to do it at all. Something there was some information deficit. It is not our fault, but that doesn't mean we're not responsible for making it better. So what you want from your stack metric is you want your stack metric to already be doing that work, answering those questions. What's in the dot? So you stratify or segment the metric into possible causes, and you always have something called other So that when you collect the data of seven, you will have two related to bad material, one related to bad assembly, another related to bad pick. I picked the wrong part or I picked the wrong medicine from the wrong bin. You can certainly see how that would lead to greater application of visuality to clear that information deficit up before you picked. Mm -hmm. And you'd have something called, I don't know, other. We don't know what it is. We can't put our name on it. We don't know what caused this problem, this defect, this lateness, this lateness, whatever your, 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 your focus is on the metric. But We've got a handle on the other three. So let's begin to investigate those. And in another day, or if you're lucky, in another hour, we're going to have a second plotting. And so what we're doing is, with a, with a metric of this sort, a stack metric, we are beginning our problem solving at the time of collecting the metric. There is no wait we're already illuminating cause, and as we get closer to cause, and it's always multiple causes, there are so few 
situations or companies that can actually say root cause. There's like 25 root causes. It's like the roots of a tree. They all support the fact that we have a problem. And none of them are identical. There isn't a single root like you see in a dandelion that I've been pulling out of my lawn now for the last two weeks now that spring has arrived. Long, 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 long root, single root. Dandelions. Do you see? And that's the difference. So continue doing your KPIs, KCR, but try one stack metric. Just take one of those KPIs and begin to illuminate it. Because when you do, you can go down the causal chain and in the process of measuring, you are doing your problem solving. That's the big difference. And congratulations on your success with the KPIs. I'm really glad that they're working for you. I hope that was an adequate answer, useful answer, and please email me back or call. You have our number uh, if you want more. Cassandra, it was a pleasure talking with you the other day. Thank you. When I come up to Seattle, I'm going to knock on your door and say, let me see your lab. All right, let's move on to uh, email number two. This is from Agatha Rains. She works in a food processing plant in Benson, Illinois. She's on the night shift. She's a supervisor, and she says, we make cookies. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Gallisworth. We make cookies. Please give me an example of how I can use, use stack metrics because our plant is not an assembly plant. So that was a really interesting email. And I would say to you, Agatha, first, thank you very much for emailing in. What I just said to KCR applies to you. You would have a defect. You would have a changeover. You would have a problem that you that was vexing you. And you would seek to segment it into causes to say what's in that dot. But underneath, just the way we said with with Casey. But underneath your question is another question, and I want to surface this, and that is you are making a distinction between yourself as a cookie manufacturer, a food plant, and an assembly plant, or a hospital. You're saying we're different. I know this is what you have in mind. We're different, and so we have to measure in a different way, because we are, the technical term is a continuous process flow plant. And what I'd like to say to you is that's not true. That's not true. You don't measure in a different way. You still have things happening that shouldn't happen, that aren't supposed to happen. They're called problems. And your metric is there to help you illuminate that problem so you can get at the causes and change the problem into just a positive outcome. So it's exactly the same thing. You have KPIs as well. They have to do with food quality, on-time delivery, the mix, the taste, the amount of productivity or output based on your input of those long machines, those long machines, that huge factory that you're in. You have problems related to your machinery, downtime, mean time between failures. All of these work the same way. And because you're on the night shift, Agatha, you are in a much better position to do some real investigation because the night shift, as you know, is the quiet shift. It's where things, the plant is the most stable. There is less activity, perhaps, 
but the work that you get done is crucial work and it is also quiet work. It's work that you can really look at because there aren't so many interruptions, right? Because the people who have information deficits are not interrupting you to get their information deficits cured. There are few of them. Good for you. In most plants, the night shift is much quieter. So you can do this kind of problem solving. You're a supervisor of the night shift. Just do one and see what happens. Pick any of your uh, late deliveries, your mistakes, your defects in your output, any of your quality specs, your time specs, your procedural specs that are wiggling and start learning how to use a stack metric. And I want to say more about that in a moment because we're going to be talking about John's question, hey, how about if I do five of these? So we'll talk to you in just a minute. We're going into our second break. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'll be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the third part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are in our mailbag and we were looking at, we are looking at visual metrics and stack metrics. I want to put this in the context of the series that we're in. Once again, we're in the Visual Leadership Series. We're looking at 
how the supervisor can lead and lead better through visuality. Metrics is a powerful tool. Metrics supervisors do not need to be foisted upon you, pushed upon you by corporate. Oh, you need to track these 30 KPIs. You will, st- you will need to do that if, if that's your orders. You will need to do it. But what you can do is pull out of those 30 KPIs, or 17 if you're lucky, one metric that you want to pursue that will really leverage a change. Because a department and a company, let's do it this way, because a person, a department, and a company is a closed System, a dynamic system of continual feedback. When you pursue one metric thoroughly, when you go down the causal chain for one metric, you will change all metrics. Closed system, closed feedback loop, dynamic, changing all the time just the way our body does. You change one thing about your body. It will affect everything. Okay? If you change a causal factor, causal factors such as food, if you even wear a different, pairs of sho- different pair of shoes, many of you know this, who have back problems. You're working on back problems. You're going to the, to the doctor. He's prescribing surgery. And somebody gets you a pair of well-balanced shoes and suddenly your back pain goes away and you've been spared the surgery. Who knew? But that was a causal factor. You just didn't know it. You discovered that. But you're a closed system. It's the same way when you're working in a department. You change one thing. It's going to have impact on everything. So you don't have to worry about pursuing those 30 KPIs. You choose one. Anyone that you're drawn to or the team that you're with is drawn to. And begin to work on that. And remember The stack metrics, visual metrics, are the doorway to problem solving. They get us started on the problem solving because they're segmenting what is simply a dot into its contributing causes, what's in that dot. So you're already beginning to investigate the causality. When you get into problem solving, and we're going to start that in the next show, we'll spend probably two shows on problem solving, and then we'll begin the executive piece. When you start the problem solving, you're well prepared. You're already in the causal chain. And as you begin to change those causes, those causes influence everything. When you begin to, for example, you know, I'm a visual workplace maven, so I always think about um, uh, problem solving in terms of the, the solution is visual solution. But when you really track down why the cookie mix was wrong, why the cookies didn't turn out right. They were salty or they were too soggy or they didn't um, bake correctly. You'll find out that it was the placement of some of your material. It got mixed up with something that looked the same and your visual order needs to be strengthened. As soon as you do that, everything changes. You've impacted so much. So what we're doing is we're giving supervisors a lever a tool that they can use to get people engaged in problem solving even as the metric is collected. Not to look at the metric and say, which is the worst, what should we work on, but select a metric and say, we're going to work on this metric 
And it might be your mildest one, your least dramatic one because people are burnt. We're going to have an example of that in a moment. And they don't really want to measure anything. And as you do, as, as you move down that causal chain, things begin to change. So let's look at John Dawson's um, email, which is a little bit different. He says, I like your show. Thank you, John. Thanks for the podcast. I think Stack Metrics will help me and my team a lot. He's production chief in an aerospace plant in Palmdale. His name is John. I want to run five of them, two on quality, one on packaging time, and two on incoming inspection, uh, where there have been a lot of mix-ups lately. Any advice? That's how he ends his letter. Any advice? And then he says thanks again. So, yes, I do have advice, John. And so John likes the idea of metrics. He's been listening to the show. He's a production chief. So my first question is, I wonder if you're going to be running those metrics or if really you're going to be assigning them to your um, department heads. It's hard to tell from your letter. But let's say you are doing that. Then I've got to say this to you. Choose one. And I say this to you if you're a supervisor. Choose one. Because you have to learn how it's done. Choose one and then you can spread out and do two. And when you've got two, you can spread out and do four. Because in going through two cycles, if you run one cycle of stack metrics and a second cycle, you're going to learn how it works. And you're going to learn the technology of that. You're going to learn the mistakes of that. We call that your A cycle. So the A cycle is always for your own learning. And you are not prepared at the beginning of your um, excitement about stack metrics to do anything more than that. That is the responsible way to go, even with you as a production chief. Choose one supervisor who is friendly towards you and has a little bit of margin in his day or her day, confer with them and say, hey, look, Marianne, I want to start some stack metrics. You've been listening to Gwendolyn's show. Let's see how this works. And let's find a dot and let's explode the dot and learn how to do it. You as a leader are doing a very leaderly task when you do that. You are saying yes to the few, in fact, yes to one, and wait to the many. This is the leadership job. You have to decide what not to do in order to do what you that one thing very, very well. And that one thing is you need to learn how this works. If you've got the, the concept of stack metrics, you understand it's segmenting cause as you measure. You can segment that cause by time, We are going to collect uh, causes every 15 minutes. We're going to do our metrics every minute, 15 minutes, so we can see if time is a factor and see what happens. And if if there are zero defects, zero defects, zero zero, um, metric, zero metric, nothing, no behavior. But at 11.45, we get six of them, and that happens three shifts in a row. We know something happens at 11.45 that we haven't yet discerned yet, but we see the metric behave, and that metric will lead us. That metric will lead us. We're on the scent. Do this once, John, with a supervisor. Do it again with the same supervisor or another supervisor, and you need to learn how to do it so you can lead it. And they'll be your laboratory. You can do it for yourself. We'll be talking about the war room, and if you're a production chief, then you've got a lot of activity that reports to you. 
But, you know, if you have your overtime, which is the example I'm going to use when we get to the war room, if you have overtime and you look at those causes of overtime, a whole world will open to you because they segment beautifully based on vacation and illness, lack of material, lost parts, bad work orders, expediting a work order, overtime. And as you work on that, your money is going to change. You'll reduce that overtime. You'll flatline it. That would be on your level. But if you're working with these others, make sure they go through their own cycle. One person, you track with them. And they do their own cycle of learning, that A cycle for their own learning. That's my advice to you. And I also know that as you start working with stacked metrics and you start segmenting them, all you have to do is say what's in that dot. Look, I have five defects. What are the contributing factors to defects that I know about? And then you'll find four of them, and then you add one more called other for where you're blind right now. What's contributing? Oh, I'm going to wait for that one. Well, let, let's go on to the next letter. So it's so great. This is from a, a, a very fine gentleman named David Sal. And he works in Columbus, Ohio. And he says, I love your show. Thank you very much, David. Which I listen to while I'm uh, sorting out tools. I supervise machining. We're doing a lot of quick changeover. Your show on stack metrics helped me see that what we are doing, that we are doing that. Help me see that we are doing that when we look at why the changeover takes so long. Maybe that would help people on the show listening to the show, understand better. So what he's saying is that he works in a machine shop. When they do changeover, they're working on their quick changeover. In quick changeover, you always stack your metric to find out how much time did it take us to put our tools. This is for external changeover. Find our tools. Use our tools. How long did it take to do the adjustment? How long did it do to run the first good piece? You're already stacking it. And this is such a wonderful um, um, coaching for me. Thank you, thank you, David. Because he's saying, make the connection between stack metrics and what you do in quick changeover and people will get it better. What you're doing in quick changeover is segmenting cause and going after that cause in order to refine it. First, you're doing it externally and you'll have things like the die. The uh, forklift, this I actually saw at a, a Ford plant when Shingo, I was with Shingo, we were walking down the uh, big GM plant and they were supposed to stage a changeover for him and the uh, battery was dead. The battery was dead so they couldn't move the die. And in that particular plant, they gauged that it cost them $72,000 an hour, one hour of downtime. All those calculations were part of the aftermath of Shingo sitting sitting down and eating a banana while he waited. We just went for a cup of tea until they got the uh, changeover charged. Cost him his time too, but of course he charged GM for that. So that's a really, really, really good um, new way, a kind of a, a window on thinking about these stacked metrics, exactly what you do when you look at external change over time. You stack it up. And then when you get that streamlined and get it down to minimum, you work on your internal time, which has another set of causes, very different set of causes, and yet 
can eat up your change over time and be a tremendous uh, bottom line um, problem. So thank you very much. That was a wonderful piece of advice. Uh, we have uh, we have an interesting last email, which we'll get to after our next break. Uh, when you come back, I'll be here waiting for you. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. This is the last segment of our show today, the mailbag on stack metrics, visual metrics. And we are taking, we'll have time to take one more email in question. And thank you very much. This is going to be from Judd Menzer, who is a purchasing manager in Boston. And, um, it's going to. This is a good ending question because it'll, it'll allow me to incorporate some other pieces that are important. So he writes, Gwendolyn, my boss is VP of Finance. I run the purchasing department. We are a very large company and very into CI, continuous improvement. She told me to listen to your show, which I do on the ride home a few times a week. And she told me to start a pilot on stack metrics. But people in my area won't want to measure anything. They got burnt before with some KPIs. They just want to do their work. Is there a way to change that? I'm going to have to because she's my boss. But I'd like to get us somewhere else. So thank you very much, Judd, for your really wonderful letter. Such an interesting problem and not an uncommon one. So it's hard enough to get people to collect KPIs 
is basically what he's saying. If I switch to a more illuminated approach where people are going to see more, they're going to have to be motivated. They're not going to want to do it, he says. They're going to resist me, is what he's saying. But my boss is pushing me from the top. I'm going to have to do something to help. Please help me. So, there's a few things here. First, thank you very much for listening to your boss and for the great success that you're going to enjoy once you get this started. Remember that the first cycle, as I was saying to David before, the first cycle is yours. Uh, I was actually saying that to uh, John Dawson. The first cycle is yours. So you have to learn how to do it. So find yourself a few people. You didn't say how many people in your department, but my sense is it's probably 10 or 12, even if there's three or four. If there's three or four, find one. If there's 10 or 12, find three. Just say, I want to to start an experiment. Will you help me out? I'm going to give you uh, an extra 30 minutes every every, uh, week to participate in a project, but it's important to me. It comes from the top, but I'm interested in it myself. And then you pick a KPI. But this is, okay, so let me just say a few things. What you have to do when there's resistance is find the voice of the user. What we talked about last week with the folks in Southington, the Pratt & Whitney plant, where the boss wanted people to measure their standard hours and find out why they couldn't meet their standard hours, contracted hours. And they said, rubbish, it's not our fault. We don't want to measure that. That isn't going to help anything. It won't change it. What do we want to measure? We want to measure dirt. Remember that? Because the engines that they were overhauling and repair had gone through the first operation, which was to disassemble and to clean the parts. And when it got to them, the second operations, the parts were still dirty. And they wanted to show how dirty. And so they spent their time measuring the dirt. And that created cross-functionality with the upstream operations. And it turned out to be very, very positive. Not only was that solved upstream, but people downstream in the second operation began to see how powerfully they could work on metrics and change them because they were on the level of cause while they were collecting data. And they went on to work on other parts of what was not working They never worked directly on their standard hours, but their standard hours improved. So you have to find the voice of that user. I want to give you an extreme example of what that is. The worst case that I've ever faced was with the old Northwest um, Airlines. Northwest Airlines, we were invited to come in and, and to work on measurement systems, and we hit a big wall. We were asked to work with operators, work with people who were... Um, working directly on the plane, and they didn't want to have anything to do with us. I mean, it was very, very dark. And so I said to them, as I said to the folks over at Pratt Whitney, what do you want to measure? You've got to measure something. We're going to do this because we have to. I'm under a mandate. So are you. So come up with something to measure. And one of their complaints was measurement systems don't work. They're not going to help us. They're just going to eat up our time. Why don't you let our boss take care of the measurement system so we can get some work done? So I said, look, I'm here. They are paying me. We're not going to get away with this. We can't do something else, but I'm going to leave it up to you. What do you want to measure? Find something. I'm going out for drink of water. I'll be back in about seven minutes. 
So talk about it. Talk amongst yourselves. Have an answer for me when I come back. I am a friendly person. That I still got to do this job with you. And I came back about seven minutes later. I said, okay, what have you got? And they said, you said we could measure anything. Okay. What, what is it? And, you know, I didn't know what was coming at me. And they said, well, we want to measure ourselves. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, we, we'll just, we just want to weigh ourselves because weighing ourselves is a form of measurement, and that's what we want to do. And, you know, I was caught because I said, we'll measure anything you want to measure, you guys decide. And so that's what we did. We began, and they kept track when I wasn't on site, of their weight. Every morning they'd come in, they'd weigh themselves. They'd write it down. It was, I, we couldn't even work on stack metrics. They were that far away from measurement, liking measurement systems. But as the weeks went on, you know what happened? You know what happened. Just the measuring caused them to lose weight. They began to lose weight. And that began to interest them. And from there, the environment was safe enough. The psychology was safe enough for, enough for us to look at causes. They became very interested in how the, the weight was, how it fluctuated, how it went down. They began to look at causes. And so they learned. It took a while to do stacked metrics, but they started where they wanted to. And honestly, if you want to engender a high level of ownership, you cannot force metric systems. This one metric, you'll have your 30 KPIs, which are collected religiously, but if you want the ownership of the scientists of the process, your operators, even your supervisors, if you're a production chief, you have got to make it in their voice. They have got to want to want it because they see themselves in that metric they see themselves what i do is me for that i came they see themselves i'm going to read this john manley hopkins poem and we'll have a few minutes to tie this up it's called as kingfishers catch fire it's so beautiful meant to be read in a beautiful welch accent as kingfishers catch fire, dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim in roundy wells, stones ring. Like each tuck string tells, each hung bell's bow swung, finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same. Deals out that being indoors each one dwells. Selves goes itself. Myself it speaks in spells. Crying, what I do is me, for that I came. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same. Deals out that being, indoors each one dwells. Selves goes itself, myself it speaks in spells. Crying, what I do is me, for that I came. What a world if we could harness that power to the benefit of our corporation for the joy of it, for the pleasure of it, for the contribution of it, to find the voice of the user. So the user doesn't have to be persuaded. The user wants to be there. The user wants to collect, to know, to investigate, to change, to contribute. Self goes itself, myself, it speaks in spells, crying, what I do is me, for that I came. That is the dynamic that we call in the Toyota production system ownership. 
but it is a deep, deep calling. It is like a command to be myself and to study myself and to know myself and all those ancient things we've often heard. Why not bring it into the workplace? And boy, there is no more powerful way than through your metric. We become scientists of the process on a level so deep and complete that we go to work for joy. We go to work for joy. So keep your emails coming. Next week we will begin problem solving. We'll pick up some of these themes. I had a wonderful time with you today, as I always do. Thank you for the mailbag full of emails. I look forward to the next time. And yes, we'll send your books out. Someone has been in touch to ask you which of my books you want, and off it goes. Thank you very much, everyone. I'm signing off. This is Gwendolyn Gwendolyn Galsworth. Who am I anyway? (laughs) This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. Thank you. See you the next time. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.